John 10. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find a pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name's Alice. Um, I'm normally a, an afternoon service attender, so uh, it's nice to be with you uh, here in the morning. Uh, and I've got the privilege of speaking to you about John 10. Um, um, but what I'm just going to start off by doing is just praying, if that's all right. Lord God, we thank you so much that we can read your scripture so freely, so openly. 
explore it together, discuss it together, and that you want to speak to us through it. Father, may my words um, this morning be from you, and may those that are here that are listening just open their ears to hear what you're saying to them individually and what you're saying to us as a, as a church. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Amen. So we're in the midst of a series looking at the book, uh, a book in the, of the Bible written by a guy called John. He was a disciple of Jesus. Uh, and John's been recounting to us stories of the life of Jesus. But what he's been saying more importantly and what's been coming through the thread of the book of John is, who is this guy? Who is Jesus? Now in this bit of the book, uh, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. Now I must confess, when I got given this passage, I thought... I'm a bit of a city girl, really. I've always lived in busy cities. I have no idea what to do with a flock of sheep. I imagine they'd end up running rings around me. But I think even for us city folks, there's something really powerful in the picture that Jesus is, is painting, and I'm, I'm going to explore that a little bit with you this morning. So let's just set the scene a little bit. Remind us where we've been. We're in Jerusalem, and we're somewhere between the Feast of Tabernacles in the autumn on the left and the Feast of Dedication on the right, sort of wintertime. Two really important festivals in the Jewish calendar. Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles on the left, I actually had the opportunity to be in Israel for last year, uh, also called Sukkot. It commemorates the 40-year period during which the people of Israel wandered in the desert, living in temporary accommodation and shelters. And so people in Israel, even to this day, uh, remember it by putting up tents out in their garden and, and living in them actually for a period of seven days. So this is a dear friend of mine, Elizabeth, uh, having lunch in one of the booths that had been set up by the Dead Sea. Um, Elizabeth's an absolute legend. I just want to acknowledge her coolness on International Women's Day. Uh, we have some really great women in, in the church, in the body of Christ and in the Oasis, and just championing them, they're great. And Elizabeth's definitely a great woman of, um, who's been an inspiration to me. Now, Adrian's talked a lot about the Feast of Tabernacles uh, in his talks, particularly looking at John 7. So if you want to listen a bit more to that, go back and, and listen on the pod podcasts. Now, the Feast of Dedication that we're coming to celebrates the Second Temple and celebrated further into winter in, in a little visual demonstration of a snowy scene in Jerusalem. It does snow in Jerusalem from time to time. I had to squeeze it in there just because I've been a bit disappointed that we've not had any snow in Birmingham this year. But maybe I'm on my own in that one. So now a few visual people. You've got a bit of an image as to, to where we are. What's the setting that Jesus is talking in? Well, why is he starting to talk about being a shepherd? Where does this come from? Well, it's actually an image that the people of the time were really familiar with, not just because it was an occupation that they knew very well and interacted with on their day-to-day -day, day -day lives, but it was also an image that was used throughout the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, it was a, a sort of image and scripture they were familiar with. He actually starts off by talking about what sort of shepherd he's not and uses some quite strong language, sneaking over the wall, a thief and a robber, someone who seems like a shepherd but actually is out to do the sheep harm. Now, at this point, Jesus is actually drawing a distinction between himself and the Jewish leaders who you might remember we were talking about and talking with at the time in, in John chapter 9. Although the Bible puts a chapter divide between chapter 9 and 10, this story is actually a continuation from one to the other. Jesus had just healed a man of his blindness on the Sabbath day, and this had been a challenge to the religious leaders. This hadn't fitted in with their view of how to follow God. 
So Jesus goes on to reveal further of the sort of shepherd that he wasn't wanting them to be, how they've missed the point of who God is and how we are to live out our lives and our relationship with him. We've talked in Oasis about this idea of hyperlinks in the Bible, a bit like when you're on a Wikipedia page and a certain word is underlined and highlighted in blue and you click on it to explain that word a little bit more. Well, this is what the word shepherd was like in the Bible for these, for these Jewish people. Shepherd in the Bible would take readers back to times it was used earlier in the scripture, and particularly Jesus was referring to this passage from Ezekiel chapter 34. Then the message came to me from the Lord, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. The sovereign law says, I myself will search and find my sheep and rescue them from all the places that they were scattered on, this, on that dark and cloudy day. I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. You see, here God was describing, back in the Old Testament, how the religious leaders of the day hadn't got the point of what it was to be a shepherd. They weren't doing the job right. And now, when Jesus has come, he's come to reveal a new way of doing it, the right way of doing it, come to show them a new way of living. So what sort of shepherd was Jesus showing himself to be? Starting off with a shepherd who leads. When he had brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, we're used to shepherds with sheepdogs, right? The sheepdogs round up the sheep, guide them to where they're meant to be going, but they have to coax them along, have to encourage them, bark at them often. But this is not actually how things were done in the Middle East. Overnight, the community would leave all their sheep in a pen, uh, and in the morning, each shepherd would come to the pen, come to the gate, and either call the sheep out by name or have their own little signature call, and the sheep would come to them and follow them. They wouldn't need to use a stick to beat them or frighten them or coax them out in any other way. He just knew their name and they would follow him. He would go ahead and then they would follow in his steps. This is the sort of shepherd Jesus is saying that he is. He goes before us. He doesn't expect us to go anywhere that he's not already been or doesn't prepare the way for. That's the sort of shepherd he is. He leads, and we can choose to follow. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But how did the sheep know who they were following? Well, they knew the shepherd's voice. They were familiar with the sound, and they know who to trust. Now, I recently caved to peer pressure and started learning to climb with a rope. <laughs> More by peer pressure than by choice. And I go with two good friends from work. But what I have learned is that I have a good relationship with gravity and I'm a big fan of it. But it doesn't help me when I'm on the wall. And there was a particular time we were climbing recently when I had found myself hanging from this stalactite, stalagmite, something hanging from the ceiling that shouldn't have been hanging on for dear life, attached to a rope that my friend Jabir was holding on to, thinking, 
this, I'm going to die, this is it, this is the end, and not able to move. And hold your eyes closed, and all I could do was hear Jabir's voice saying, keep going, Alice, it's okay, I've got you, keep going, Alice. And at one point he did have to say, Alice, you're a grown woman, just get up the wall. <laughs> um, but hearing his voice, knowing his friendship, knowing that he's held me by the rope before, knowing that I could trust him, helped me to, by some miracle, defy gravity and get up the wall and then safely be laid down. How do I know Jabir's voice? How can I trust Jabir's voice? Well, I know him. He's a friend. I've spent time with him. We've talked, we've discussed, we've laughed, we've joked, we've cried together, we've worked together. I've had to trust him in work situations and I've had to trust him when I'm hanging by a rope. We do the same with God. How do we get to know his voice? How do we trust his voice? Well, we talk to him, we spend time with him, we listen. It's clear from this passage that he is wanting to and is speaking to us. The question is, are we familiar with his voice? Do we know the sound of it? Do we hear him speaking to us when we read the Bible or when we're walking out in nature? Each one of us will hear God very differently. But the truth is, and the truth I want you to get hold of today is that he's wanting to speak to you. He wants you to know his voice. Next up, shepherd who has the best in store. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Hang about, I thought we were talking about shepherds. So it seems here like he's changing the image from a shepherd to a door, a door shepherd. Well, he's actually using another picture from sheep farming that people would have been very familiar with. Out in the pasture lands for sheep, pens were made with only one entrance. That makes sense, right? The door for those sheep pens was often the shepherd himself. He would lay his body across the entrance to keep the sheep safe and to keep the wolves out. The shepherd was in fact a door. Jesus is our door. He is our way. He is our way to life. He is the way to life. The other gates that the religious leaders had been offering led to death, blindness, condemnation, like we've heard in the chapters gone before. Jesus describes a different type of door, a door that gives sight to the blind, healing to the sick, redemption to those who had been written off, hope in a hopeless world. And he's wanting us to come in. Why? Because he knows what's behind that door, life, and to have it in all of its abundance. The Greek word for abundance, perisos, I said that right at all, have I? Has a mathematical meaning and generally means a surplus, the abundant life is above all the contented life in which we are contented in the fact that God is equal to every emergency and is able to supply all that we could ever need according to his riches in glory. From this place of security in knowing that our life and source comes from him, we can let it pour out of us into a world that needs to experience it too, over an abundance, the rich and beautiful life that he gives us he gives us in such ready supply that it can only pour out of us, like a bath with the tap running. This vessel, this vessel of you, can't contain it because it wasn't meant to. We're blessed to be a blessing, not because it comes from Alice, not because it comes from me, but because it comes from his resurrected life. He is my source and he lives in me. 
There's this strange impression that becoming a Christian immediately makes you boring, dull, and stuck in a pen. And this is not the life I've experienced, and it's not what Jesus promises us. The image of us isn't cooped up in a sheep pen. Should we just move on to the next slide? But alive, roaming in fields, like the Mosley bog here, which I love. <laughs> I had a couple of months off sick last year and got to go and explore some of the greener bits of Birmingham. And turns out I live really close to the Mosley bog. And if you haven't been there, you've got to go. It's beautiful. Exploring, adventuring. This is the life he wants from us, for us. Not with a promise that it will be easy or simple. And I've certainly known that in my own life, that life is not straightforward or necessarily what I expect. But it's always an adventure. It's always rich and it's always beautiful. And it is all with the knowledge that our shepherd, my shepherd watches over me, keeps me safe and knows what's best for me. Okay, enough of my voice. I'm going to pause for a minute. You know, if you've heard me speak before, you know I like a little break in the middle. Now, needing a guide to trust which ways to go is something I'm really familiar with. I am dreadful when it comes to directions um, and often have to look to Google Maps to direct me. I even managed to get lost in a hospital that I started working in and had to call one of my colleagues to come and rescue me and find me on a ward, which is very embarrassing. <laughs> um, so what I would like you to do is, if you feel comfortable, turn to the person next to you and talk to them about a time that maybe you needed directing, you needed leading, you needed guiding. Or maybe you're a person that never needs directions or never wants to ask for one. So you can tell them about a story maybe you've heard. If you're not so comfortable talking to the person next to you, just have a little think to yourself about that question and we'll come back in a second. Um, okay, hopefully you've uh, heard some entertaining stories. Hopefully no one's managed to actually get lost in their own place of work. Nice opportunity to get to know your neighbour, isn't it, really? Okay, so next point. Shepherd who lays down his life. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Now, we know that sheep farming in the Middle East wasn't just a lonely and physically tiring job, but it was dangerous. There's a character in the first part of the Bible called David who started life off as a shepherd. And he describes at one point how he had to fight a lion and a bear in order to protect his flock of sheep. But this isn't how a hireling, someone hired to look after the sheep, would behave. Someone who's just in it for the money, not invested or committed to the sheep, he or she wasn't going to be sticking around if any lion approached. They were going to be up and out of here. But again, Jesus isn't that sort of shepherd. He's not often out when the going gets tough. In fact, we know that's when he's even closer. And hopefully some of us, well, I know some of us will have experienced that in our own lives. We know that Jesus came down to this mess on earth to get his hands dirty and pay the cost of this mess. He didn't run away when the going got tough. He really was a shepherd who gave his life on a cross so that we wouldn't have to be eternally separated from our father. Over the centuries, there's been blame from, of, put on various groups for killing Jesus, but what he makes abundantly clear in this passage 
is that he chose to lay, lay his life down. He lay down on that cross. He didn't have to be pinned or held down. He wasn't emotionally blackmailed into doing it. He actually gave his life. I'm going a bit rogue here. Where's she going to go? <laughs> we actually have a reminder of this in our own church. I don't know if you guys will have noticed, we've actually got a stained glass window of the Good Shepherd. And what we see on the shepherd here is that he's got, he carries the scars in his hands and the scars in his feet. That's our Good Shepherd. Caring for us, but the constant reminder of the fact that he lay his life down voluntarily for us. I, I sometimes forget how beautiful this building is and what powerful images there are around in it. And just had to point that one out. But he doesn't leave it there. You see, our God, our Jesus, isn't dead. I have the authority to take it up again. He didn't stay dead. He came back to life and is alive today and seated at the right hand of God in heaven, something we look forward to celebrating at Easter. Our shepherd conquered death. And now that life that he has won for us lives inside of us, over in abundance. And that's why life can't be dull or boring. You can have resurrected life spilling out of you. And how different would our world look if followers of Jesus took hold of this and could live as if death wasn't the end or something to be feared? Next point, the shepherd who knows me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now during this talk, you've probably been, had this image of a giant flock of fluffy sheep, a big anonymous body of fluffy things moving on mass. But that's not what Jesus is describing, and that's not the way he sees his sheep. He describes seeing you. You're not one of many fluffy things. He knows your name, and he calls it. He doesn't forget it or mispronounce it or misspell it. He sees you. Now, I've been a bridesmaid a handful of times, and when I say a handful, I'm pretty sure 27 dresses were modelled on my life. <laughs> so if you've seen 27 dresses, that's a light from there. But a game I always like to play at a Hindu is how well do you know the bride? And we played it last weekend at my friend Abby's Hindu. He was getting married at the start of April, and I've known her since we were about nine. And we did questions like, what's her middle name? What's her favourite band? The Spice Girls, that's why we're friends. Um, but these were all facts about Abby. There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone, knowing their heart, knowing why they react in a certain way, why they find certain things painful or absolutely hilarious. What's interesting about Hindu, for those of you that have been to one, is that you bring together different groups of friends from different times of your life, when you were a child, a student, or something called a grown-up. Um, and so subsequently, you have different aspects known about the bride. But with God, he doesn't just know about one aspect of us, what's gone before or where we are now, what we're in the midst of now. He knows what's to come too. He knows the potential that you have inside of you, the man or woman that you are and the potential that is to come. He knows what lies ahead. He knows you. You're, just, you're not just one of many sheep to him. So who is this Jesus? I've explored a little of what Jesus was teaching us in describing himself as a shepherd. That he leads us into green pastures, going ahead of us, 
preparing the way, not sending us to somewhere that he doesn't know anything about, but somewhere he's already been, that he calls us by name and wants us to know his voice, that he gives us life in abundance, a life to be lived in healing and wholeness, an adventure that is rich and satisfying and is committed to our safety and will even lay down his life so that we can be saved. But he finishes this teaching off with something that's fundamentally important and actually ends up getting him into quite a lot of trouble. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. You see, he's not just pointing to himself as the shepherd. These aspects of Jesus' character represent so much more than that. They're telling us about our Father God because he and God the Father are one. He is telling us about our Father. Our Father who leads, who goes ahead of us, who speaks to us, speaks into our situations, who will lay down his life and knows me by name. The Jews had already known God to be their shepherd, but they seemed to have forgotten it and got led astray. The religious leaders were trying to lead them, but had got lost. But God hadn't given up on them. He was calling them back, calling them to know him, to be loved by him and to trust him. And there may be some of us here who have either known God to be our shepherd before and maybe forgotten what that actually looks like or never knew that God wanted to be these things for us. I want to give us all here an opportunity to respond to this, maybe just to ask God to remind you of truths that you had forgotten. Maybe you need to know this morning the shepherd restoring your soul, like we sang this morning. Or maybe you want to ask God to speak to you and to hear him for the first time. A passage that's a little bit more likely to have hyperlinked for a lot of us when thinking about the Good Shepherd is Psalm 23. And I want to read this just before um, I allow a time of quiet and then close in prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm just going to allow a time of quiet. It's not something we often experience in our day and age. But I just invite you to ask God just to speak to you. Speak to you maybe about what I've said this morning or something else. Lord God, I thank you that you are our shepherd, that you lead us into green green pastures and beside still waters, that you restore our souls. Lord, for those of us here that um, 
are maybe hearing your voice for the first time, Father. Speak comfort to us, speak strength to us, speak hope to us. And for those of us that just need to know you that bit closer, may we be able to sense your presence this morning and as we go out of here. Lord, thank you that you know each person here. You know them by name. You know their story. You know maybe the burdens they're carrying or the joys that they're experiencing. And you want to speak into that situation. Father, thank you that you love us. We've sang about your goodness this morning and we thank you so much for your goodness that you are faithful to us. As we leave this place, having been filled up, reminded of who you are, are reminded of the life that you give. May it spill out of us into almost the streets around this building, into our workplaces, into our places of recovery, into our schools, Father. May that life that is in us spill out. Thank you, Lord, that you go before us. Amen. Amen.